You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Oh no! We suck again! Welcome to Just Giants, the worst goddamn podcast for the worst goddamn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. You guys are hearing this a day late. We figured the Giants didn't show up on Sunday, so why should we show up on Monday? Yeah, we're going to do our best not to mail it in, unlike the team that we supposedly cheer for each week. So uh, I don't know how the Grump feels, but I probably had the worst football weekend of my life. Um, If you guys even care to hear double the misery in my real ranting, Go look up Mark and the Cranky Fan on iTunes. I'll talk about the Florida Gators, but let's just let's just channel the misery and the aggravation to the New York amateur football giants. Yeah, really, the little giants. Um, so let's, Sunday. Yeah, let's just let's uh, you know, preface this by starting off just saying Grump was at the game. I was not at the game. I was traveling back home from Missouri, so I kind of was watching it on my phone and following along on Twitter. So I didn't have a full, you know, mercifully for me, not a full hundred um, percent attention span on as the game went on. And as it got ugly, I was kind of fading in and out a little bit. So uh, I'm going to rely on Grump to give us more of the eyewitness account than what I could provide, but I will definitely have my thoughts. Jesus Christ. Um <laughs> The Giants fell like a sack of bricks, fifty-one to seventeen to the Rams. Um, you know, we had we had previewed this game, saying that the Rams are really good at putting putting up a lot of points. I, for you know, for reasons now unknown to me, had more faith in our defense than to let fifty points go up. I, I think of the two of us that made predictions, I predicted the Rams to score more points. Is that right? Uh, you did. Yeah. Um. And even so, I thought we had a better defense than that. The defense didn't even bother showing up for this game. It was pathetic. Um, you know, we know that this offense is a lost cause and that there's a little asterisk next to the offense, which didn't really ever play well this year. But, you know, at, at a certain point, losing so many starters, you know, it, it was sort of doomed to never really get on track. But the defense has very little in the way of excuses. And, I mean, right from the get-go, there were just bombs being thrown left and right by Jared Goff for long gainers. I, third and 33 was converted for a touchdown, 50-yard <laughs> screen. I mean, that's the play that we usually run. Mm-hmm. So, um, Let me ask you something, Grump. Do you think there's anything to the uh, the theory that because Jenkins was suspended for something we don't know about that there's a bit of a, a protest by the defense? I mean, I hadn't really heard that theory. I think it was just sort of one of those things where, in general, the players have some sort of problem, and it seems to be in the defensive backs room. But I don't know what that's about. Like, what what is the deal exactly? Um, what happened from last year to this year? It's just it's baffling to me. Where Eli Apple plays a bad game, and he's benched. Um, you know, DRC walks out. He gets suspended. Now Jenkins gets suspended. I mean, it seems to be from the an outsider that these are legitimate things to bench players for. Mm-hmm. You know, when you play poorly, you sit down. And sometimes it's not a punishment. It's a let's let's get your head straight kind of thing, you know? Um, 
you know, when you walk out on the team, then you don't get to be part of the team anymore. You're not helping. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't. So I don't know what the the mutiny is for there. Uh, th- that's clearly something that we as the public don't get. Do I think that's there's something there? Yeah, I think there's something there. I don't know how intentional it is, but you know what? I will say, any player that did quit on this team, or you know, even just for this one game, they think that they're sticking it to the man. They're just sticking it to people like us, the fans. They, I, I paid good money to go to this game to sit in the fucking rain on a team that had one win. <laughs> And you're not even going to try what? because you think that that's going to get your head coach fired so you can get somebody else that you like. That's yeah. not how it works and it doesn't help you at all and it doesn't – it's not really going to hurt the coach. I'm I'm thinking that this coach is safe. I think the injuries to this team has saved him at least one more year. So the only person that you're hurting are the fans and your own free agent market value. And, and let me tell you something, Grump. We've been saying, and especially you've been more of the proponent of this than me, that with this roster, this isn't a complete rebuild. This is something that, you know, okay, the injuries and and this and that where this is not a rebuild from scratch. But let me tell you something. If these – we got guys on this team that are quitting, and it's been identified they're quitting. I don't care who they are. They need to go. Yeah. I mean that means if it's the 46 guy on the roster – or if that means it's someone like a JPP or like a Janoris Jenkins. And I'm not accusing them of quitting. I'm just using them as an example. So, you know, if there is a shakeout with Jerry Reese and or the mayor is kind of step up and say enough of this bullshit. You might see more of a rebuild than you think we need because you might see some cancers on this team being weeded out regardless of how good they are, regardless how they're. Uh, important they are to this team so just something to kind of look at in the offseason when you see something kind of head scratching like why did we cut x or why did we cut this pro bowler you know there this could be some part of the reason why it's going to happen yeah absolutely the mayors are are not going to stand for this no this is i i've been watching the jets wear blue for the last nine weeks now um and that's that's exactly what this is um, did, any, did anybody think back in August that uh, one of the New York teams would be, you know, st- not out of it by any stretch in the way in the crazy division? The other team have one win and, you know, th- thought it was Jets and Giants reversed. Not not me. No way, man. I mean, you know our predictions from it. They're recorded. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely not. There is some – some of this I think – so, so, you know, I, I obviously was watching this game and pissed off, and there were some elements to this that didn't lend itself to uh, a good-looking game. I mean, right, the, the the field conditions were not optimal, right? The Giants had trouble holding on to the ball, and I don't Rams know... Didn't, Rams didn't have a problem with that. No, I'm just saying they're not optimal conditions. I mean, you know, in the rain it wouldn't be surprising to find out that there were two fumbles. You know what I mean? One of the other things I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder is if... Because I've been trying to figure out what's wrong with the defense. Everybody's been calling for Ben McAdoo's head. Everybody's been calling for Jerry Reese's head. And I haven't heard a whole lot about what's going on with Steve Spagnuolo's defense. And the defense has been not playing well all year. Um, 
they've been playing well enough to stay in games, but they've been doing things that they didn't do last year, and that's giving up big plays and, you know, not playing well against the run. Like, it just never seemed like it was last year on this this year. It was always something. And um, I'm not necessarily saying it's Steve Spagnuolo's fault. You know, it's just I think it's funny how they always shoot for the top. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of it, you know, now getting into these weeks, we can tell it's effort and lack of heart. But, you know, you don't have an Olivier Vernon playing for, you know, a pretty good percentage of the season now. You know, and things like that. You know, those those things hurt. You know. Yeah, Steve Spagnuolo loves to blitz, but whether he's blitzing or not, his defense is predicated on getting pressure. And you know, at this point, we're down to re-signing guys from our your preseason. Will they make the roster to to start on, at defensive yeah. end? Um, you know, Avery Moss, I didn't think would get that much playing time, but I thought he might become a contributor, and he actually has not looked bad. I mean, this should not be the year that he's starting so much, but I guess it's trial by far at this point. But he hasn't. Point, well, what are you going to do at this point? Yeah. yeah, he hasn't played all that bad. He he looks like he's going to end up being the reserve JPP to give him rest playing against the right tackle, and he he's done fairly well at that. But I mean, he's not starting caliber, at least not this year. Um, I've been wondering how much the injury at middle linebacker has hurt the communication on this defense. Uh, you know, B.J. Goodson was not touted for his coverage abilities. Um, we knew that he was a thumper against the run, but, you know, a lot of what the praise was about him was how vocal he was, how smart he was, how much he studied the defense. And, uh, you know, the middle linebacker position, it's important for him to get everybody lined up and I know he spent a lot of time with Antonio Pierce in the offseason but he hasn't played the last couple weeks and we've been seeing the last couple weeks ever since like I would say the Denver game some serious miscommunications in the secondary Um, actually I would say um, the Tampa Bay game where OJ Howard was just left completely uncovered for like some 70 yard touchdown and you can tell it's miscommunication because when you see a play like that, you see these guys, you know, the the arms in the air yeah. and like the animations and like, where the hell were you type of thing. Yeah. It wasn't just, you know, being beat. It was my head's on a swivel looking where was my help or where is my lack of help. So I'm wondering how much that's contributed to the problem. Uh, you know, I, I know that tonight we've re-signed Kelvin Shepard. Um you know, the guy who knows the defense already, I don't think he was really re-signed for his outstanding linebacking play. I mean, he's good against the run, but even last year he was pretty much used only in those scenarios. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a problem. I think the big problem is, again, I think this team has quit. Yeah. I mean, it, it's obvious. You know, yes, that's definitely a contributing factor to it. Um, but if this team was right now, let's say they were 4-4, four and four, I don't think you'd have these mass problems on defense. I, I think it's just an issue of, you know, they're 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 looking towards you know December thirty first and getting out of here. Yeah, but I mean, the lack of effort is a result of performance, right? It's not. I mean, it's both the result and then then the cause. But I think initially it's the result of performance, right? Like it just becomes one of those things like oh, here we go, and then yeah. then you're just sort of mailing it in. I don't think immediately at the start of every game there's like a sabotage. I just think as soon as that one nail well, I, I, hits. Yeah, I think it, I think it also 
you know, it permeates, you know, during the week of practice too. Are you really spending that extra hour in the film room? Are you really, you know, running that extra sprint as hard as you could? Are you really doing what you can when you can actually hit? I think that's where it is too. Yeah. And that's, that's the task of this coaching staff is to make sure, you know, that extra hit is being made in practice or they are doing their film study. I mean, it's not guys like Eli. We know, we know what kind of professional he is, but you know, especially this team, which is a younger team, you know, I, I, I think that's it. So when you get to game day and you, you know, it's not all of a sudden when they huddle up before the opening kickoff and say, you know, screw this, that's not it. it, it it's, you know, their, their fate's sealed by the time they, they suit up on Sunday. Yeah, I would say that's absolutely right. Um, and I think that I am a big fan of having a younger team. Uh, I do think that there needs to be somebody other than just Eli, who's that veteran guy who goes about his business in preparation. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a guy who goes in the film room and is always there and he sets example for the other guys. I don't. Who's that guy? Who's that guy on defense right now? I mean, it might be JPP. I was going to say it should be JPP. He's been around be. the longest. He's the guy who's been through the uh, the contract issues. He's the one who's got it settled. You know, he doesn't have to worry. Look over his shoulder for somebody taking his job or him getting cut. I mean, he should be the man. Well, DRC should be that guy too. Yeah. Another veteran guy. Who Do you think be. he is though? Well. <laughs> He's not doing a very good job this year if he's getting suspended. And also I think now that he's kind of being – and we saw this starting to happen last year. They're starting to transition to a part-time player yeah. and a nickel guy that – and we've said this before on this show. It's really hard to be a leader when you're not on the field and you're not one of the best players on the field. You know, you don't see the the utility second baseman isn't the leader of a baseball team or you know, the backup goalie is not the leader of a hockey team. Um, so I, I think his leader, his veteran presence is important, but it's getting somewhat muted by the fact that he's not on the field as much as he was. I Yeah, definitely. I think a guy like Landon Collins needs to keep growing and be that guy. Uh, yeah. you, you know, people like that are – they don't become that just by being in the league. They're already like that, and I think Landon Collins is a guy who is already like that. He's got to not be the young guy anymore. I mean, this is year three for him, right? This is his third year, yes. It's a tough spot. You know, you want to be younger. You said you want to be a younger team. Obviously, it gives you more flexibility under the cap. It makes it, you know, you're not you – know, a collection of older guys doesn't mean a higher chunk of the cap is based on on a you know, smaller percentage. But this is the downside of it. you got a collection of young guys that are, you know, with a young coach who doesn't maybe not command a room like a Tom Coughlin did or, you know, any of the other giant coaches we've had in the past. And this is what happens. Yeah. This is definitely one of the things that can happen. I was, I was still curious. Um, the offense played strangely. I thought, um, right off the bat, they were running the ball and running the ball. Well, I mean, for, for what it's worth, the giants ran as a team ran for over a hundred yards um, Orleans Darkwell almost ran for 100 yards on his own. They were really picking up chunks of yards. And then once they fell behind, they started throwing the ball, which is, you know, that's sort of that's sort of the M.O. for football, right? Like, you know, you need to score quickly, so you start throwing. But, I mean, 
at a team that's one and six, I mean, why aren't you still trying to shorten the game? I, I didn't understand that. And, you know, you're switching out of what's working in terms of gaining yards to going to your most injured position on the roster by throwing. I I didn't understand what what I was watching. <laughs> um I don't know. I, I think this team is I don't know. Maybe they thought because Shepard's back, maybe you know they can trust him more of the uh, the passing game in situations. I don't know. Well, I will say this. I will say this. Seeing Shepard on the field, um, it's it's like a stark difference from what we've seen with just Evan Ingram out there. I, I mean, it's pretty clear that Sterling Shepard will always be a number two guy, a slot guy. But it, it you know watching this team run routes from the end zone for the last couple weeks and just suddenly I'm seeing this guy dart across the field uncovered and I'm like, wait, wait, there's, who's that guy? I had like forgotten. And, um, you know, his, his presence was definitely felt on Sunday. Um, he was the leading receiver with five catches. He had 70 yards. It's, those are not great numbers, but you know, for, for this team, that's, that's pretty good. Um, and I think even Tavares King really showed up to play, this week, I, he kind of—he's a guy I'm not as high on as I think you are. But this week might have changed my mind. You know, just his ability is something I don't think this team has utilized all that much. Yeah, I mean, again, it's tough to tell in a game like this where you know, you said by the time they started throwing, the game was already over. No, but but Tavares King had the first touchdown. He had a catch. It was the the first drive of the maybe second That's drive right. of the game. That's right. That's correct. Um, yes. And, you know, it was just him in the red zone. I mean, a lot of that was also Eli. Eli had a really, really sweet look off that sprung him free. But nevertheless, I mean, those two things always work hand in hand. Um, I think Tavares King and Roger Lewis are both guys that should be, I don't know, being targeted more now. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but. I don't know. I mean, I guess we don't. What are we trying to do on offense? <laughs> I mean, I guess you know. I guess you do have to still pass. I mean, the the fear of having no wide receivers is gone. I mean, Roger Lewis is maybe a fringe guy on this in this league on this team, but and Sterling Shepard's back, and you have Ingram, so mm-hmm. it's not like there's zero weapons anymore, which we had a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, th- so here's an interesting, uh, an, an interesting thought. Uh, Weston Richburg was placed on IR before this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was before this game. Maybe it was right after. No, it was before this game. Before the game. Before yeah. the game. Uh, he was in the concussion protocol for the last month. Um, there was some speculation that maybe he doesn't still have a concussion and the Giants are trying to damage his free agent value. We also, I don't know. That's... Uh... That's a pretty shitty thing to do, and yeah. I that, that doesn't seem like the Giants would. That sounds like a Bengals thing, or it sounds like a Bucks thing. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a Giant thing. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about that to me is I, I know concussions are a whole other level of injury, and you know it has nothing to do with toughness, especially now that the way the NFL treats them is that you know it's not up to you anymore. Uh, you have to be able to pass a test and all that, but. You know, prior to the NFL, Weston Richburg had missed maybe only one game of football in his life. He, at Colorado State, had broken his right hand, so he snapped it with his left. I mean, this is the kind of guy we're talking about. 
So, I, I like I said, I do understand that concussions are a whole other world, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't buy it. That's again, if that ever came out, especially maybe if it was two weeks left in the season, but we still have two months left. Mm-hmm. And also, why would you want to try to get Eli Manning killed? Well, I think maybe the idea is that you know Brett Jones has been playing for so long, you know these this past month, and he's played well enough where you don't fear the fact that Eli is going to get killed by doing this. You know, well, you're 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 severely impacting the depth on the offensive line too. Yeah. What if Brett Jones goes down? Yeah. No, I agree. Then what? Yeah. I, I, I I'm not sure it. I buy it either. It's it's interesting, but I yeah I don't know. Uh, I guess the other thing I think really needs to start being talked about is that, and again, I know that this was shitty conditions, but Aldrich Rosas missed another field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm uh, starting to wonder about that too. And, and, you know, at the same time, this guy hit a 50-yarder in the rain. I, I, I'm wondering uh, if he's going to be kicking for us next year. Surely there's going to be a kicker brought in as competition. I think absolutely. I think so. But you think he's going to be kicking for us next year? I I, I think he'll, there'll be definitely be competition. You know, oh, whether yeah. he'll be kicking or not next year. I, I think I think you're seeing a lot shorter leashes around the league with with general managers with kickers. You know, I still think it was a little surprising that the Bucks cut their guy that guy they had in the second round that Noel Aguayo. You know, yeah, even before the season even started, I thought that was a little. You know, for what they invested in him, and this was a pretty, pretty publicized thing having Rojas kick this year. So I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think they'll definitely, they'll definitely bring a vet in next year to to uh, give him a, a run for his money, and then based on performance, we'll see. I'll say what I see with Rosas is that um, it's just consistency. Um, it, it, he's never really far off. I mean, his the only one that was like pathetic was tipped so i mean we'll never really know if it was going in or not but you know most of the time it's pretty close it's they're never like chip shots that i know of that he's missed um but the other thing too is that i've noticed you know when he hits a field goal from decently far away his ensuing kickoff it's like he's got some extra juice in it like he's got some confidence and the kickoff goes sailing out the back of the end zone so i think with him it's a being young thing uh Maybe you know this. Maybe this year will help him get the jitters out of his system. I, I really don't know what goes into being a kicker. To be honest with you, it's probably the position I know the least about on the team. Yeah, it's definitely one of those weird ones where they're their own guy too. You know, they're the quirky ones on the team. They're you know they get zero respect being mm-hmm. on a team. So yeah, because they're pretty much just like hired guns. Mm-hmm. There's no there's, with the exception of like Vinatieri. There's no like team kick like franchise kicker. Maybe like Dan Bailey. They're very few and far between. Yeah, I mean, we're talking one guy or two guys out of thirty-two that we can even. Yeah, and Dan Bailey's still young. You know, it might be get to that point eventually in his career where he's like the old guy, and then Dallas ships him off, but then he plays for another ten years on some other team. Right, right. Kickers are weird like that. I don't know. Um, it's just. All the things that I was excited about going into this year, I'm just so pissed off about. And this game was pathetic. Uh, it reminded me of the last game at Giants Stadium it was a home game against Carolina. And it was this big, you know, the season was 
I think I don't think the season was totally lost yet. I think there was like a mathematical way the Giants could back into the playoffs if like the right people lost and they won that game. And there was like remember, a, we remember walked out of there pretty early. Yeah, yeah like fuck this horse place. shit, horse shit. Yeah. And it was against a, a a decent to bad Carolina team, and it was mm-hmm. like some pathetic ass forty eight to ten like debacle. Um, that's what I felt like I was watching. And the difference between that is that was at the very end of a year that it didn't seem like they were making the playoffs. You know, in a in a you know, it's a strange year when you're saying goodbye to a stadium that's been there since like what the seventies. Yeah. Um, this is the middle of the season coming off a bye. Um, that's it, what was so frustrating to me. Yeah. And let's get into now. You're talking about it. Let's talk about Ben McAdoo for a minute, and let's talk about the press conference after the game. Now, I'm sure I'm sure you heard it. Yeah. I was actually listening to it live um, on the plane. And the smugness and the arrogance and the tone deafness that he delivered in that press conference was, was shocking to me. You know, just like he was just pissed off that a reporter had the gall to ask if this team quit or, you know, the performance of it. Like, we're crazy. Like, we don't see what we're seeing. You know, it's obvious to everyone, you know, it's obvious to a fan, it's obvious to the reporters, it's obvious to everybody that this team's in the toilet. And just the the, 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 the snideness and just the dickiness that he answered these questions, it's like, you know, if that's your persona, you know, if you're trying to be Bill Belichick light or trying to be Nick Saban light, you better have a track record before you can pull that off. And he obviously doesn't. And uh, it was just very more disheartening where, you know, there's no more Yankees anymore to deflect some of the attention away. You know, football teams in this town do catch a break because usually the Yankees or sometimes the Mets are in the playoffs. And this is a town where they don't really settle into this sport until the other sport is over. But guess what? There's, you know, you can think about it. Yeah, no, you're right. People don't really get into basketball around here until, you know, the football playoffs are over. You know, okay, last couple of years, the Knicks and Nets have been brutal, but everybody gets my point. So, you know, yes, the Giant fan, the Jet fan from day one is, you know, into their team. But really, like, what dominates the, you know, the back pages of the newspaper? You know, it's the playoffs until they're over. What dominates talk on the fan and on, on sports radio? It's baseball until it's over. But now, guess what? The spotlight is purely on the Giants. You know, the Jets, you know, they're doing their best to keep themselves off the back page by winning. So right now it's on a a 1-17 a team that just looks pathetic and is jaking the rest of the way, it seems like. So what does he do to try to, you know, maybe try to deflect that or something to, you know, take some accountability? You know, we've heard Tom Coughlin in these press conferences, you know, this is on me. We got to do a better job. Mm-hmm. No. You know, none of it's our fault. You know, we, uh, you know, we thought the game plan was pretty good. I don't, I don't know what you guys are looking at, but uh, I see positives. It's, I haven't seen anything this bad in a press conference or just kind of like instill less confidence than back when we had Ray Hanley as the coach. And you Giant fans, remember what a disaster that was. I, I do understand there's a nuance to being in a press conference and not wanting to reveal some things or maybe not wanting to let the perception of reality leak out. 
but that press conference was pretty much unacceptable. Um, and I think more than anything, it just shows his inexperience in dealing with the press in shitty situations. I was the question was, what did you say to them at halftime? The answer was, um, you know, I, yeah, I get that he doesn't want to say what was said at halftime, but you got to have an answer prepared for that, man. Like, you, you can't come to answer. me with that. I'm not sure if he was mad at the reporters, mad at himself, mad at the team, or all of it. But he seemed agitated when he like, dude, we're all ag- agitated. Yeah, he seemed agitated, but at the actual question, like he came out yeah. there, gave his canned, short, you know, terse ants, you know, intro, which he does, you know, every week. It's that's nothing new from him. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll open it up to you guys. And the first question, you can tell his attitude changed. And again, I wasn't watching it; I was listening to it. Yeah, well, on, on the fan that put in the, the post game, and it was just like, who does this dick think he is? You know, you have not built up the capital, eleven and five season and playoffs last year included, to kind of treat everyone like fools. Yeah, that's, what, that's that's kind of how I always felt like. You guys are fools for even thinking that this team is in the toilet or this team is given up or you know, this team is as bad as you think it is. There's definitely some hyperbole here. Um, and by here I mean in this town when it when it comes to you know the reporting and stuff like that and I I try to call it out when I see it and I do think it's amplified in this area and probably other areas too but New York is there's a lot of publications out here all fighting for attention at mm-hmm. the same time there was no hyperbole in this conference this is a one in seven team that just got blown out at home until what was it the third worst loss at home in Giants franchise history. Something like that, yeah. There's no hyperbole here. This, these are legitimate questions. Did this team quit on you? Do you have any idea what the players are saying in the locker room when you're not there? Um, what the hell did you say to them at halftime? What was the game plan? Because it didn't look like you had one. These are all legitimate questions from people who invest their time and energy in this team. And questions she, and questions she's expect. I mean, yeah. I know... Seriously, players, how could you not know they're coming? I know these... The players usually are prepped on they, they go through like coaching on how to answer the media. Coaches do as well. Yeah. I mean, you hear these guys, you know, the answers they give, they're not they didn't just come up and ooh, I'll use the stock answer everybody else does. They're coached on what to say, how to say it, you know, who to call on, you know, in a press conference. He's not that much of a you know, a, a boob to, to not know these things. So I don't know. I I don't know what where we go with this guy and, and, and this coaching staff. You know, the the confidence level is zero right now in tough times. You know, anyone who's eleven and five, you can think is a good coach and think things are going well. But these are the times to try men's souls, <laughs> as I mentioned in my other podcast. And having this guy, having the thought that this guy can change the culture of this stink bomb of this year into next year, I don't see it happening. It's getting really difficult to see it happening. And yeah, maybe maybe he does deserve another chance because of the injuries or something. But when the culture falls this far, this fast, at some point you say, you know, is it possible to reclaim it? And if you don't, you need to cut bait. Yeah. Whether it's fair or not, life life isn't fair. That's why there's severance pay in the NFL. That being said, I will say, I will say, um, in the beginning of the game, the offense was moving the ball pretty well. Um, the defense clearly did not show up to play in this game. I don't know what the fuck happened. Maybe it has to do with communication on the back end. Y- you know, 
a lot of it has to do with not getting any pressure on the quarterback. That's for damn sure. Um, but, I mean, the quick strikes right away from the Rams are pathetic. Uh, and this is the this is the side of the ball that's not ravaged by injury. So, um, I think that this was this was a loss in the books, but it should not have been this much of a blowout. Not in my opinion. <laughs> We're at a loss for words, ladies and gentlemen. We're just beyond. You know, we we've hit the abyss, and we've been in the abyss now for a while. And you know, how much lower does it go? You know, after an embarrassment like that, I mean, well, it's going to be easy we're, to find we're, out because we're at a we're crossroads. Playing, we're, we're playing a winless team on the road next week, and I, I have to look back. You know, how long has it been since we've had a te- uh, in a week nine matchup or week ten? We week ten coming up, mm-hmm. where the two teams have a combined one win. I don't know. And lucky me, I'm flying out Friday morning to go to that monstrosity. We'll have a nice contest to see how much money I actually pay for tickets within 10 yards or 10 rows of the field. I'm guessing no more than 40 bucks, but we'll see. Can't lose with that, right? You get front yeah. row seats to a disaster. How often can you do that? <laughs> so that's that's the plan. Um, 425 on Sunday, the Giants are visiting San Francisco. We'll see if we manage to find a way to lose to a winless team. It's very possible. Um, I have no idea what's going on with this team anymore. Predictions are coming up Friday morning. We'll be coming straight to your ear holes with a game preview of that. Um, Again, you'll find that and this episode on iTunes and SoundCloud, Just Giants Pod. Um, And, you know, it's been hard for me to not lash out on Twitter, so I've just been not using it. But I am tweeting Saturdays (laughs) and Sundays for sure uh, during games while watching college ball, um, which at this point is I'm finding more interesting. Um, I am at football underscore grump on Twitter. And again, for all the episode info and links to all the episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes, it's at just giants pod on Twitter. And you can find me as always at the cranky fan, and you can download this show on iTunes or you can stream it on SoundCloud. We, as always, appreciate you people listening to us. And if you could leave us a five-star rating and a review as we, you know, hold hands together and, you know, suffer through this season. You know, we know happy times will be somewhere down the road for us. We just got to get through the final, you know, six, seven weeks of the year and start playing to next year. So that's all we can really tell you right now, guys. <laughs> It will get better. It, I I do not think there were, we're going to see back to back years of this shit show. I don't know how it's going to change. Whether it's at the uh, head coaching level or just the player level, or you know maybe it's just at the injury level. But I don't see this being a back to back year thing. Um, uh, I also didn't see one and eight this year, one and seven, wherever the hell we are. Yeah. That you know, just uh, we won't lose faith in the team. Don't lose don't lose faith in us. But we, but we do know in this league, though, you go from first to worst to first to worst pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. I mean, the Giants are a pretty good example of that on their own. So, yeah. you know, they the parity is the order of this league. They want everybody to be 8-8. Eight and eight. So there are mechanisms in place that we can make a rebound. But we just don't know how we're going to get there at this point. Yep. But I have no shame in saying it. Let's go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.